So yeah, good good morning, everyone. Uh, you know, we've we've spent time, a fair amount of time, the first Sunday of the uh, semester, but then we've uh, iterated, reviewed these these class objectives every single Sunday since then. Um, we're reaching a point that hopefully we have begun to reasonably accomplish some of these, in particular raising awareness and cultivating compassion and under, understanding what it is that uh, uh, we're talking about this semester with respect to refugees, our attitude toward them, hopefully again a compassionate attitude and uh, an awareness of, of the situation, but reaching a point where we can begin talking about a little bit more even though we have the entire semester, but more specifically focusing in on this last one of mobilizing ourselves to take action. Uh, Dwayne mentioned last week we weren't quite sure what would happen with the World Relief Training. That is looking like we will have at least uh, one Sunday of that training so that uh, any, all, all of us who are interested can get their 101 training. And then for those of us interested in going further, uh, we can uh, uh, actually participate in that training that is held at World Relief. Uh, but today, yeah, just talking a little bit more about uh, mobilizing. You know, we, we've been pointing you toward uh, really three specific areas that we've been focusing on, namely refugees to start with, and using a little set theory or concentric circles here to help us understand legal definition-wise the difference in a refugee and an immigrant, and specifically uh, that there is this definition, a legal term, UN and, and associated uh, countries of the world came up with really after World War II to talk about those who are seeking refuge and that the UN would and the countries supporting it, uh, this program would officially recognize as a refugee, someone that was in a situation to where uh, the world's countries and in general would uh, say, yes, you're in a situation that does a warrant you're becoming a refugee in, in another country. But we've hinted throughout the discussion, and I re really appreciate Lisa Sherman Nicholas last week pointing out that, yeah, there's that legal, very strict definition, but, and when we're talking, especially maybe today in political sense, when we're talking with others, we want to make sure that they understand that designation and very much that we're talking about someone who is documented, a legal immigrant. But in, an, in another real sense, as Lisa pointed out last week, uh, even other documented immigrants, someone with, that we might not recognize as an official refugee, and even the undocumented, the illegal immigrants, they have chosen to risk their lives because they feel like they need to seek refuge somewhere else, right? So they have those reasons as well. So even though we've focused on the very strict definition, we need to, I believe, as, as Christians, as followers of Christ, to also recognize that uh, it's, 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 a, it's a very justified reason that someone that we might put in one of these other classifications has for seeking refuge. We focused on that a lot. We have focused on one particular country and refugees from one particular country, not because that, that they aren't justified 
refugees from other countries, but because we're in the midst of the greatest humanitarian crisis since World War II in the country of Syria, where some half of the population, 11 million people, have either died or have left the country. And some 5 million of those are actual refugees, most still in refugee camps in the surrounding nations around Syria. So it's one of the reasons we've tended to focus on that, and we are seeing an influx of uh, Syrian refugees into our community. And we talked a lot about uh, Syria's important role in our story, in the Judeo-Christian story, and just recognizing uh, what an important role it, it played in, in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, and even in, in the New Testament as well. Uh, and then, again, it's where we have focused, of course, has been on this organization uh, with which we are forging a partnership, uh, World Relief, and that's why we, we've, we are planning to have the training uh, with World Relief, and it's why we already have some teams. We have two good neighbor teams. Uh, Dwayne and I are each a part of, of uh, two different teams, along with uh, uh, on my team are Jamie and Peggy Sweeney. Um, and, and so that's one of the primary ways we're hoping to engage uh, Otter Creek. At the same time, we recognize that, you know, uh, not every one of us might have the time or, or the skill set. We might say the, the gifts or we might even say not every one of us feels called to actually adopt a refugee family. So a lot of where we're going to spend our time today is in talking about other opportunities, other ways that each of us who feel a desire can get involved and uh, help with this particular uh, way of, uh, uh, of showing our faith. Uh, there's various other organizations. Um, uh, we mentioned that nationwide, World Relief is one of nine official um, um, refugee resettlement uh, agencies uh, that are recognized by the, the U.S. Uh, Customs and Immigration uh, Agency. Um, in our area, in Nashville, it's one of three organizations. So even though we're partnering with World Relief, if there are those of you who already have you know, a relationship with one of the other two organizations, then by all means, you know, continue to work that relationship. Feel free to work with, with one of those two organizations in any way that, that, uh, that you would desire. One of those is NICE, or the Nashville International Center for Empowerment that you see here. And then the other is uh, Catholic Charities of Tennessee. And both of, the, both of these, in, in addition to World Relief, make up the three organizations that are the official refugee resettlement agencies here. So, um, what about uh, politics? Uh, is, oh, one other I did want, want to mention. Uh, of course, two, two weeks ago, uh, Laura Camp was here with several representatives from Siloam, and Dwayne's going to be going into more detail, but obviously this is another one of the organizations with which we can volunteer and support that would be helping uh, the refugees in our community. Well, Wayne's going to give you, Dwayne's going to give you some of those specifics in just a few moments. Um, what about actually politics? Um, should we, as Christians, uh, get involved in the, uh, in, in the political realm? 
um, in the political arena. We've just come out of uh, a very political season, and maybe we should have talked about this a couple of weeks ago uh, rather than now, but maybe it's easier to talk about it now uh, than, it, than it was then. Um, but what are, what are your feelings on Christians and being involved in, uh, in, in politics in general? It's still a hot topic. Huh? Yeah, it's really hard, right? Yeah. Okay. So let's 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 get that out. Of the way. Um, I I think we are called to be Christian in our communities, no matter what aspect of that community we interact. All of us interact with government. It does happen. <clears throat> Where I think we get a little bit um, tied up is government is not the instrument for us to look to for morality, for decisions that supplant what we should be doing. Mm -hmm. Government cannot be a proxy for us as Christians. Okay. You know, um, <clears throat> you've got to, you've got, I think you've got to be involved where your convictions say you should be involved. Okay. And so it, it's just, it's a very difficult, it's a very difficult mix, right? It really, really is. Um, um, and we have a lot of diverse thought here at Otter Creek, which I think is fantastic. Um, I, I just, I compartmentalize it a little bit, but I just I just don't expect I don't expect the government to have the compassion that we do. Okay. I don't expect the government to take care of these refugees. We should be doing that. All right. I don't expect the government to espouse any of my views. They're the government. They're not Christian. They're not me. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. Peggy. Similarly, I, I was thinking just about Lisa even, like she obviously <coughs> feels called as a Christian, as a disciple, might yep. be her favorite word than Christian, yep. um, to go to do something at least for in the immediate. I totally agree that, I mean, the early Christians were rebels. They lived in a political climate that they did not adhere to what was going on and they were yep. not nice. They were known as being good people, uh, um, but so I feel like we change we change things by our hearts being changed first and spreading the gospel. That is the good news. Right. And but for those that, that but we can't have immediate good in our communities and such today through people who feel called to be involved in things like the government. Right. Okay. Good. Any other thoughts? Yeah, Steve. The difficulty is I think we're always called to play a prophetic role. And that is to speak truth, justice, mercy into whatever the situation is. Mm -hmm. On the other side of it, we have to be humble because when we, when Christianity has had power, it has not done very well. Yes. And so there has to be that humility side of that because it seems like we we vacillate greatly between 
being a disciple of Jesus and being somebody who's trying to impose what we consider our discipleship upon others. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think as far as immigrants and the aliens that live within our land, it is very, very clear in scripture. And the other part of it is, is every single one of us has a history of being an immigrant. It's not That's like right. we haven't. Every time we've had a race of people come to the United States, it has been an upheaval. Yeah. And uh, I just feel like we as people have a prophetic role to talk about grace and mercy to those who have fled their countries for whatever reason. Yep. Okay. Thank you. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, Roger, I, I, always, I always feel like, even in the, in the recent elections, I know how excited I was when when Donald Trump selected Mike Pence as his running mate, you know, somebody who seems to have a very strong connection to God and just the influence that that can have in that environment. And I think if, even in the Old Testament with Joseph and the influence that he had on, in, in, you know, in, in terms of the famine and, and in leadership and in that realm, just the opportunities. Um, I mean, it is hard, I agree, it's hard, but, but I just feel like God is using that at all times and, in different ways and means that that only he knows and sees and how um, you know if, if, if as long as people are willing to embrace the opportunity and I'm thankful that there are people that are willing to embrace those opportunities yeah but um, <laughs> yeah Peg, Peg is wanting to make it clear who, yeah. who they did and didn't vote for <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, I just, I, I'm very, uh, I, I, I guess I'm very encouraged by you know, th- those times over my life that I've seen so obviously God at work in with politics, government, mm. and, you know, in speaking. And I yeah. can think of several examples of that. Yeah, yeah, so. good. And I, I, I'll, I'll add something to, to what Steve said, is that, you know, in, in the vein of being humble in the face of, Maybe our history not being as 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 uh, Christ-like as we would want it to be. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot of place either for making government more evil than mm. it needs to be. Mm. Um, it is it's the government. I yeah. Mean, it's and just because one candidate wins over the other, you know, I don't. I don't know that that's always something that you can just point to and say all of these people are against me right. or all these people are right. for me. Yep. Right. Um, so you, that there are these gross generalizations or we, we need to disconnect from that and look at it and say, okay, this is what God has given us. What is our reaction? Right? What is our reaction? Okay. Without trying to wring our hands too much, I mean, Fear and uncertainty um, are not biblical reactions. Yeah, right? that's right. That we are we are supposed to persevere with what we know, mm-hmm. and, and so I, I think I think there's a lot of that uh, that we can learn from now. <coughs> Good. Yeah. Good, Larry. You know, it, we if we trace back the last few decades especially post-World War II and the end of the 1950s, it was so much easier back then for a Christian to just kind of blend into society. Mm. 
I mean, because you know that was the era when we added under God to the yes. Pledge of Allegiance. Yes. Yes. Right. You know, it was you know it was very much uh, to use the phrase a, a Christian nation, so to speak, because it was politically correct. Yeah. And, and so we, I think we now live in a time when everyone, whether you're a person of faith or not, we're being dichotomized and asked to really stand up for what we believe because there, there is no blending in anymore yeah. for anyone. Yep. And so it makes, because there is no blending in, it makes it more difficult no matter which side of the coin you're on because I think that Thanksgiving and other holiday conversations are going to be a lot more difficult this year than they have been in years past. Mm. And Josh was, is going to tell us in the sermon this morning what we should, how, how we should <laughs> okay. ha handle that. It's just the thought of grace is so, you know, so required mm -hmm. uh, on everyone's part mm. and love. Yeah. <clears throat> and that will get us through this. Right. Right. David? Just from my own personal experience, I think starting with 9-11, I went through a transformation of where I was very much equating God bless America. And since then, I'm realizing that my worldview needs to be God bless the world. Yeah. And so my struggle in being political is that I can get really caught up in wanting God to bless the politics or the United States because it's where I live, and so yeah. therefore it directly affects me. Right. But at the same time, there's that tension of the United States is not any better than any other country on this world. That my brothers and sisters, people who know Christ and who don't know Christ, whether it's Kenya, Malawi, um, South America, all the way to Antarctica, they all are God's children. And so how do I how do I balance that inward focus of this is where I'm currently at, so I just put blinders on to the rest of the world? That doesn't really seem the Christian response, but at the same time, if I get too into political side, then it's all about me and what I what I need to do. Yeah. And so that's just that's where I feel the tension of the politics. Okay. No, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm David's uncle. I'm visiting. Um, good to have you. I, thank you. I, I worked for 20 years with the Army, and they sent me, in the course of that, to spend four years in Europe and four years in Korea. And in, in Korea especially, I had to get in a line a lot that's called foreigners. Mm. And through that whole experience of living in another country, I learned so much about what it must be like, feel like, yes, to be a foreigner. Yep. And that's just that. I'm thankful to God for that experience. Thank you for sharing that. So, yeah, Susan. Uh, this may be kind of a, a naive hope, but I just feel like that maybe there is a unique opportunity in what's going on right now for us to be really determined <coughs> to tune out the, the rantings on both ends of, yep. of things. And for the church to be, to lead actually in a way we haven't in a long time right. in 
listening to each other and having conversations. It just feels like an opportunity we haven't had. I absolutely agree. So I'm looking for ways to be involved in the political process that I never have been yeah. um, that will really advance the values that we all have, whether we're red or blue or Right, right. Um, Very good. Thank you. Thank you all for your... I, I absolutely agree with that. And in, in, in one sense, I think politics and what we think about when we think of politician has mm-hmm. gotten a bad rap. You know, there are connotations there with, with what it, that really have nothing to do with the actual meaning. Uh, politics is all about, if you go back, it's, it's, it's a transliteration of the Greek word politikos, which just means citizen. It just means doing community together, finding a way for us to actually live together as, as a community. And that's a good thing, right? If it weren't for politics, we wouldn't have water to come to our, to our houses. Now, politics is all about what it takes for us to live together as a society. So in that, that sense, that it just happened us to, in, from which the word police comes as well. As, as well. So all of, all of that to help us recognize what it really, what politics really is about. But one thing that you might be familiar with this, this gentleman, especially in our heritage, David Lipscomb, and his voice has been uh, uh, covered up, squandered, but uh, he didn't believe that we should be involved in any form or fashion with our government, our politics. He didn't think we should hold office. He didn't even think we as Christians should vote. And there are lots of things I like about Lipscomb and some aspects of his voice that have been covered up that I wish we would really spend more time recovering, especially some of his uh, Anabaptist tradition, his approach to um, um, peace and nonviolent ways and anti-war. But on this particular topic, I, I really can't agree with him. Uh, I, I don't believe that we, we can and should remove ourselves from the political process. Uh, um, Brian McLaren has said, I heard him recently say, that uh, Jesus was very political but he wasn't partisan. And I like that. I like making that distinction between our politics and, and being, being partisan. And really, this, this is what we were talking about um, three weeks ago when we talked about the Messio Day, the mission of God, and starting to look at the mission of God being more about bringing heaven to earth than our getting to, earth, getting to heaven after we die. Uh, it's much more about bringing kingdom values to the earthly communities. And so when we start to think about that, to me, it's exactly like several of you mentioned, and Susan in particular, that's where the church needs to be involved in showing the world a better way, and showing the world the way of love and justice and peace. Um, so, yes, I, I very much feel like this is one of the things that we can do as, as followers of Christ, is at the very least, research those uh, who, are, who are wanting to hold political or government office, research those who are uh, pro-refugee, pro-immigrant, and vote for them, and maybe go much further. Again, if your skill set or your gifts call you in, in that area, go much further into doing things you know, like, 
Lisa is doing with the, with the Tennessee Immigrant and Refugee Rights Coalition. Uh, all of these other kinds of ways in which we can serve. So think about those uh, uh, other, other ways, that the little things that we can do. Um, Couple of other things uh, before I turn it over to Duane. Um, we've, we've talked about a number of different organizations. Um, he's going to get into some specifics about how we can volunteer with those organizations. But another way that we can help is with our pocketbooks. Um, there are so many refugees and immigrants in Nashville, and there are so many immigrant owned businesses that we can support those businesses. Just drive up and down Nolensville Pike and you'll see hundreds of restaurants and marketplaces. If we can support the immigrants with, with uh, you know, by, by actually patronize, patron, patronizing their, uh, their businesses, uh, then, then that, that will help tremendously as well. And another way is if you own a business or you're in some kind of position where you're responsible for hiring someone, consider hiring a refugee because that's one of the first things that they're trying to do when they come here and get settled is to become gainfully employed. Uh, so consider that. And then the other way, maybe especially with your pocketbook, is just to financially support these organizations that, that every one of them is absolutely dependent upon their financial contributors. So supporting them with uh, monthly donations or one-time donations, things of this nature will help tremendously. So I have a friend that <clears throat> recently brought, uh, bought a drone. Uh, of course, I'm really fascinated by the, the drone technology and just the, the video that you're seeing online now of just these beautiful landscapes. And so my friend, I had visited his house before. He lives on this beautiful farm. And um, so I had been to the farm and and it's, a lot of it's wooded, a lot of it's open fields. And so I had seen it with my own eyes, but then a couple months later he bought this drone and he took this amazing video of, of his farm. And um, I was so blown away by what I didn't see while I was there. Does that make sense? And I love the, the, the video that's being released. You see it everywhere now. And, and as you rise above and you see out and you have such a different perspective because when you're, th when you're there, kind of down in the middle of the trees and the, the grass and the buildings, you, you just don't have a full perspective. But something about the drone technology gives you this ability to kind of rise above all those things of sort of small to medium height. And you get up here and you have this whole other perspective. I, I loved what you said, Susan, and I couldn't agree more. I think that now is a time where uh, disciples of Jesus have to kind of take the drone approach because there's rhetoric on the left and the right and everything in between and you can get really lost in all of that conversation but i believe that's our call is to rise above and really see things for what they are through spiritual eyes and 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 allow the love of god to sort of be channeled in um, john chapter 13 th this is this is so crucial um, he's with his uh, disciples He's starting sort of to, to ramp up to uh, his final hours and, and giving them sort of many things that they need to know as he leaves them physically. Um, verse 34, he says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Verse 35, 
By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Uh, and I think that's the drone perspective that we need, not only in the refugee conversation, but many other conversations in our culture right now. This is kind of, we're, we're at the stage of class where it's the rubber meets the road and, and the message is clear and hopefully we've given you a convincing case that this is what disciples are about. Uh, we've looked at the, the scripture of Matthew 25 where Jesus talks about the hungry and the thirsty and the stranger, the xenos. And it's just like, you, you really can't argue about this, um, this being an action of the church. This is sort of one of the uh, very articulated actions of God's people. Uh, it's to welcome the stranger. It's to, it's to help that guy on the side of the road, that woman on the side of the road. And, and I love the way you said it. You know, it's, it's our animal. You know, we're putting them on our animal. And, um, and you, you said the same thing. It's just, it's, it's us. It's what Christians are being called to do. So this morning, what I want to share, and I'm a practical guy, um, I, I love getting to this part of the conversation because just this is where we have to make it happen. Uh, it's not the government's responsibility. Uh, and, I, and in a sense, the church really ought to be ashamed that all this conversation is really taking place in the context of what's the government going to do about it? What are we going to do about it is really, I think, our call as, as, as Jesus people. And so this morning, uh, these are things in your seat and the things that I'm going to share are just um, practical ways that you can volunteer your time, your energy, your resources, your innovation, I think, more than anything. And here's where I want to be really sensitive um, because prior to my new role here at Otter Creek, I was three and a half years outside of ministry and, and I was able to kind of reinvigorate my understanding of what it's like to have a full-time job and kids and family and sports and have church people like telling me, you need to volunteer your time and you need to do this and that. And I realized in those days, like, man, that's really hard. So prior to that three and a half years, you know, I was one of those guys saying, you need to do this, you need to do that. And then, uh, so I've had a couple of sabbaticals from paid ministry where where I got to just sit in the chair and hear people like me say, you need to do this, you need to do that. And I, so I, I was faced with the reality that, man, people are busy and it's not as simple as I was making it sound. Does that make sense? So I want to be sensitive into what I'm presenting to you that it's going to be up to us as a community to kind of think uh, outside the box, think innovatively, think in terms of how we can manage our time and resources because I know you have jobs, you have families, you have children, you have sports, you have grandchildren, you have all these responsibilities, good things in your life that you can't neglect. So uh, I, I'm challenging you to, to take what I'm giving you in a sense with a grain of salt and, I, and hear me challenge you to just think outside the box, look at Thanksgiving breaks and Christmas breaks and summer breaks and the weekends and w different creative ways that you can um, you know, maximize your time. I remember in campus ministry, we had students all the time wanted to spend time with me and or Jenny, and um, we were maxed out. You know, we, we did everything we could to spend time with those individuals, but they're, they're like leeches. You know, they just wanted student ministry of any sort. They just want your time and they want to be with you. And that was the thing that we didn't have much of. And so we got really good at just sort of doubling up our, our efforts. And so we would say, okay, I'm going to Lowe's because I've got to fix my leaky faucet, but you can go with me, right? And so I would just ride with them 
and spend quality time with the student while I was accomplishing something else. That's the kind of thing where I'm saying you as working people, busy people, uh, well-intentioned people, you've just got to get outside of, well, sort of this uh, way of looking at one sum. You know, I've got this many hours per the week, so yeah, I just can't do anything to help these types of organizations. I just don't have any more hours left. I get that. But let's think um, innovatively and in how we can maybe double up some of those those hours and, and maximize them in ways that you just didn't think were possible. And, and that's where the spirit comes in too, is that um, you, can, you can accomplish things in step with the spirit that you didn't know were possible. And so there's a spiritual element that is on your side. Uh, uh, briefly, I know we're running out of time. Siloam Health Clinic is fantastic. 400 volunteer, or, sorry, 400 plus volunteers are donating their time yearly to this organization. 13,000 hours annually in both clinical and non-clinical uh, volunteer work. Um, this is a place where I think Otter Creek can help so much because you know doctors and you know nurses and physical therapists and you can network with those people. You can network with your own doctors to say, hey, have you ever heard about Siloam? Um, you know, it's a great way for doctors to donate a couple hours a week to, to see patients of theirs. It's really something that you could take a look at and you could put information in their hands. So this may not be something you know, clinically that you can do, but you can refer other people in your walk or in your circles uh, to, to give some of their time. I know for sure that gynecologists and physical therapists right now are they're in major shortage of. So if you know a gynecologist or a physical therapist in your world that you could say, hey, they need some time, would you, will, would you be willing to give some, some time? They also need, uh, not quite as urgently, but there is a need, orthopedists, pulmonologists, neurologists, and RNs. So if you have folks in your life that you know, uh, that's what they've told me very specifically. This is where we're short right now, so please help us. Um, if, if I can, just a little commercial for Siloam Health. So the, the Iraqi family that stayed with us, they were just blown away by how, they, and these are their words, they treated us like people, right? Because in Iraq, the healthcare system is universal, but, you are certainly not going to get any kind of real humanity yeah. in your care. Yeah. Right. Uh, they were they they they, they couldn't believe um, that people uh, will come and volunteer just to help. Yeah. I mean that that, that was just an alien concept to them. Yeah. That somebody would actually come there without being paid. Mm. Yeah, it's a fantastic organization. It's a, an amazing facility, as you heard Laura talk about a couple weeks ago. They have this chapel in one corner of the of the building, where folks can go and pray and sit, meditate. And there's this um, an artist has donated this um, sculpture of a cross, and you kind of have to picture it. It's in the corner, and the the top of the cross sort of bows out, and the foot of the cross sort of scoops in, and then the arms of the cross are like this, and so it's you know. Uh, metaphorically very embracing, very welcoming, and I think that's, that captures the heart of, of their ministry. Uh, Issa, who was here with Laura that day, talked about being a health literacy volunteer. This is something really easy. You, you know, think about coming to a new um, country, and, and David's uncle spoke to this, and being a foreigner, you don't know anything about our system, about our healthcare system. You don't know what 911 is, but we all, we all know, right? We're just part of that. Uh, but you can, as a health literacy volunteer, help people know when to call 911, how to fill a prescription, 
when to use the emergency room. They have medical case managers, which is a fancy way of saying you're making sure that people are getting to their appointments on time. Uh, that, that's something that you might could fit in to your schedule. Uh, real quickly, we're running out of time. ThriftSmart, uh, we did great last week. Thank you for all that participated and brought uh, gently worn clothing in those bags. 3,200 pounds of clothing uh, collected at Arter Creek last week. Thank you all. Uh, ThriftSmart is 100% of their proceeds go to charity, and they, they support four different main charities or nonprofits or uh, mission efforts. And so basically what they've done is create a sustainable model to pour you know, uh, finances into these great works. And so put, you know, it's basically like a Goodwill. You just bring them all of your stuff, all of, uh, particularly clothing. Uh, they, have, they have household goods too. Um, and then they take all those proceeds and put them right back into, um, into great things. They, they love Otter Creek and appreciate us. They've given us these half-off coupons, and so those are you all's to use however you'd like. And, and any money that you spend there, obviously, is for, for good, uh, a good cause. So they have a store in Franklin and on Nolansville, and in Nolansville particularly is one that is well-connected to the refugee community, uh, and there's great opportunities there. You could be a super sorter. How about that? Um, you could be an overseas bail processor, a mission book processor, a hang tin clothes hanger, radical receiver, Mr. and Mrs. Clean, product cleaning specialist, colorization sizing specialist, clothes puller. I like that one. Um, they couldn't think of a creative one for that, said so clothes puller. Um, they, they need help with ESL. Uh, they have communicators and advocates, that, that volunteers that they um, plant all over the community. They, uh, you can adopt a, depart a department, if maybe your life group or a work group wants to go in and sort and clean and organize one section. Uh, they have lots of that going on. Great organization. I love working with them over the last couple weeks for our recent project. This is probably the one I'm most excited to tell you about this morning. There's two brochures in your seat. Um, this is called Sew for Hope. It's really sort of a, um, a, a, a child of ThriftSmart. It's grown out of ThriftSmart. They meet in the ThriftSmart building. But essentially what they're doing is they're taking refugee families, uh, mostly women, but they are teaching them how to sew. It's, it's, it's sort of a skills training type um, course. I think it lasts about six months. And so you go in, you can learn how to sew, you learn business practices. At the end, you graduate with a certificate and they give you a sewing machine and you're, you're in essence ready to begin your own business. And so they're supporting people uh, as they start their own business here in Nashville. But um, take a look at the brochures. There's all sorts of ways that you could volunteer and mentor and help uh, students that are a part of that program. It's a great, a great opportunity for, for folks here in Nashville. And then, of course, the one you've heard us talk about the most, um, there's two really important pieces of information on your chair there. So the thing that I really want you to understand about World Relief is that they're working with the federal government, and so their funding is... is is through the federal government and through donations from the public. Um, but the federal money is really important to their operation. Because, so they're in partnership with the federal government. And any hour of volunteer work that you give, any donation that you give, it is uh, then logged and there's a match grant in place that, that multiplies what you do. Does that make sense? And so for every hour that I donate of volunteer time, they get about $23 and change from the federal government. And so uh, whether you like it or not, or whether it makes sense or not, it's sort of like the better you do as an agency, the more money you get. 
And so it's actually advantageous. It's sort of two birds with one stone. When you give an hour or you give donations, um, it helps their organization in their standing with the federal government. So these welcome kits are so easy, and I'd love to encourage all of you to take this on as a family Thanksgiving and or Christmas project. But you can do a, you know, uh, different kits for different areas of the home, and they're really simple to put together. We've done these for our families that we've adopted, the good neighbor teams that Roger spoke of, and they're super easy. Uh, build one together as a family, get it to me or anybody here in the church office, and we'll figure out how to get it to refugees here in Nashville. Do that. It's simple. Uh, you can do it as you shop. You can bring your kids or grandkids along and let them see you minister to refugee families here in Nashville and understand that those donations are helping that organization, they're helping the family that you touch uh, specifically. But uh, take all these things with you. I've, I have touched the only the tip of those icebergs. There's lots of great ways that you can um, donate and get involved. And, and as I said, just remember that challenge. Uh, I, I understand you're busy and uh, it's gonna be hard to fit extra things in your life. But if you're looking for ways over the holidays to, to do something, to um, help folks in need. Uh, here's a, a piece of our community that really needs help. Um, you know, I just keep iterating uh, Matthew Soren's quote, and I, I want to point you to that last sentence, that there may be a risk or cost involved is not relevant to the mandate of love. I, this is going to be difficult. There's political opposition. There's uh, fear-mongering. And there's all sorts of things that could hinder us from pursuing what Christ has called us to be about. And uh, I just want you to push through that and to have that 30,000-foot uh, view, that, that hovering uh, sort of transcendent view of what's really happening and what God is really calling us to. Thank you all for being a part of this class. Um, take these things with you. Uh, not at all. No, you can, build, you can build those kits any time of the year. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you all.